Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello and welcome to episode 15. I'm so happy that you are joining me on this juicy episode. Today we are speaking about dancing with desire. So what do I mean by this? When we have a desire, when we truly want something, in the beginning it's exciting. It's juicy. But if that desire doesn't fulfill itself in the time we think it should fulfill itself, or we find other people fulfilling this desire before us, suddenly that desire can feel very frustrating. And that desire no longer creates pleasure, but it creates pain because we think of the desire and all we're doing is focusing on not having what we want. This is all about how to manifest those desires as quickly as possible, but in a way that feels pleasurable. Because the better you feel about what you want, the faster it's going to manifest and it is going to happen in a way that's so much greater than you could have imagined. It is a universal power when it comes to this. We've all seen it before. So today, to teach us about desire to enjoy the process of creating things in our life, we are speaking to Regina Thomas Hauer, also known as Mama Gina. Now, let me tell you all about my incredible friend. She is so brilliant. I have learned so much from her. She teaches an Ivy League education in being a woman. So what does that mean? Do we need to learn how to be women? Well, the truth is, We live in a society that often looks at certain traits that women have, like being sensitive, for example, and we can be shamed for them. We think there's something wrong with us because we're sensitive, or we think that it's not okay to focus on pleasure, that we need to always be a martyr in order to be a good woman. Well, Regina is all about teaching women how to stand in their power, to accept all parts of themselves, and to have a really juicy life. Her programs, they're transformational. I mean, you can just tell. When you talk to anyone who has taken her course or who's in her community, there is just this spark to them, this life. She lights people up. And my hope is that she lights you up with this information If you are a man and you are listening right now, don't press pause, don't cancel out of this because you will learn information within this episode which will really help you and also help you understand women more. So this episode is for everyone even though Regina really does focus on women. In the beginning of the interview, which you'll hear in just a second, I share a bit about my relationship And here's the deal. So I'm very casual with these podcasts. I do this because I love it and it's fun. And I get to interview people who many of them are my friends. And I love the fact that I get to share my brilliant friends with all of you. 
And so I love starting the interview a lot of times with a very casual catch up because it leads to really interesting topics. Sometimes I leave it in, sometimes I cut it out. I almost, almost cut this beginning out because I got very shy about talking about this relationship so publicly, but I'm keeping it in because it leads to a really great conversation about desire around having the desire for something. For me, it was a relationship. For you, it might be finances or you want to achieve something in your career. And this whole idea of wanting something and it not happening as quickly as you hoped and how to stay in that positive energy of desire because that's the key to getting what we want. And so, yes, I'm keeping it in. I'm not editing it. I'm probably completely oversharing, but I'm keeping it in because I hope that it is valuable. So enjoy that and let me know if you do enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe. Reach out to me on Facebook. I do this for free because I love it. So if I know that you had a breakthrough, it's incredibly encouraging and I'll keep doing these episodes for you guys. Um, Thank you so far for all of the support and enjoy. me up just tell me about your man like it sounds like you're like loving your life with your man I am loving my life with my man is it okay if we record and just talk oh yeah is this all okay oh it's totally okay um well I'll say brief it's so great I'm so in love it's so great it's so great you know you know it's right when it's easy and it's so easy and it's so fun and we laugh all of the time and yeah it's just great it's just amazing. I like, I really have, have like no complaints. You know, and when have I ever talked to you that you've had no complaints? Like <laughs> about a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's really like you are a woman that knows what you want. Yeah. And <laughs> you got it. And now you're like, you know, it's like party time. It is. And in the beginning, I was, I, it freaked me out because I was like, well, when am I going to see the ugly side? Or when am I, am I being like um, delirious? Like, is this, is this real? Is this just like the beginning fling, you know, like the beginning stages? But if you have to move with someone like across country and, and like move out of a place and move into a house, there is so much in, involved in moving and packing. Mm-hmm. It's like what I loved about that whole experience is I realized besides being completely in love with each other, we're such a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a partnership there. Like besides like the romance, when there's something stressful or something big that we have to get done, we're really good at coming together and getting it done. And I love that. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about it because when we were up on the rooftop of the standard and I had this, it was so much fun to meet him and to meet a whole bunch of your friends. And it all was so whirlwindy. And, um, but he was so solid and so in and so just like filled with gratitude about having encountered you. Like he came up to me and he was like, Regina, I'm so happy to meet you because I know that you were one of the women that like drew me in with Jess because of the blessing that you guys did on your birthdays. 
<laughs> and I'm, I just, I'm so grateful that you did that so that I could have, like, who would say that? Like, what kind of man? He's just amazing. And then the fact that you, I think one of the things that I've noticed in my years of coaching thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of women is like when you have, um, when there's something bigger than you that you both get to pour all of your attention and love into, which in your case, you both had to get behind the move and then the creation of this new life together in this new city, you know, um, it brought the best out of you, brought like the most mature, powerful, united part of you both forward. It was really cool to w watch you. Wow, thank you. Thank you. It's funny because I asked him what his favorite part of new of being in New York was, and he said it was meeting you, which I thought was so sweet. And and um, so for, for those who are listening, I did, I think it was, yeah, it was, we were both Geminis. We have birthdays um, really close together. And so we decided to kind of spend some time on the new moon setting intentions of what we wanted. And one of my intentions was to bring this amazing man in. And what's so funny is that Christian Northrup and I also did something uh, similar when we went to Paris together. We went to the top of the Eiffel Tower and there was a moment when all of the lights started to blink. I think it happens every hour, but we had no idea. Yeah. So we were so shocked. We were like screaming and dancing around. And, and Christiane goes, let's imagine the Eiffel Tower is this massive antenna to the universe. And we can set intentions of what we want. What do we want to create? And so I said, a man, like I, I kind of described Lucas. And, uh, and so Lucas knows that like, we did that new moon thing where I kind of set the intention to find him. And then later I was telling him about Christian, about that story about the Eiffel Tower. And he's like, oh, that was with Regina, right? And I go, no, no, that was another time. And he's like, how many rituals did you, did you do to bring me? I was like, a lot for like the last 10 years. <laughs> and, um, and it's funny because it's, I look, I was talking to someone and I look back at all the times I've set the intentions of bringing someone in, and I really have been doing it for so long. When I look back, I'm so happy about the timing and all of the times that it didn't work out, or even that I felt heartbroken. I'm so grateful for those experiences because it makes me such a better person today. I feel like I'm so much better in this relationship because of all of the ups and downs I went through in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact of, um, never losing sight of the spirit of the desire. You know, one of the things I teach women a lot at the School of Womanly Arts is, you know, talking about like, how do you create or conjure a desire? And what happens so often with all of us is like, you think of something that you want and you want it so badly, you can like taste it, you salivate, you can feel it. And then it doesn't happen along the timeline you thought, or you watch all of your friends easily get that desire. You know, maybe they get married or have kids or your brothers, for example, moved ahead on that playground 
seemingly quicker than you. And you can get mad mm-hmm. at the universe or get pissed or frustrated. or And as soon as you live in the pissed or the mad or the frustration, it diminishes your access to your desire. The whole trick is to stay in the live, active, lit candle of yearning. And you did a really good job of that, Jess. Thank you. Really good job. Thank you. So I love this. I want to go in this in this direction. So when someone has an experience where they see, okay, let's hypothetical, but I've been there. So you want something really badly. And then someone, one of your good friends, or even someone that you don't know that you're just stalking on Facebook tends to get that. And it seems very easy. And all of a sudden you have those feelings of, this is so incredibly unfair. What do you do with those feelings? So you know you're not supposed to feel them, but how do you make that transition? Well, you know, that's the whole construct of my school, um, which is, it's a community of practice. It's, I have a whole set of tools that support uh, the creation of desires because it's not easy. Uh, you have to... You can't just make the frustration or the mad or the anger or the devastation or the, go away. You can't just vaporize it. You have to like, just like garbage, you know, you have to throw it down the garbage chute. You have to, it, it, you have to like move it through your body. You can't keep it inside. If you keep it inside, it starts to rot and fester and infect everything. So at my programs, we have this one activity, which is called swamping, which is where you embody whatever it is. Like if, you know, you, uh, if you're frustrated about not getting a dream and you see others getting around you, you just like beat the shiz out of a pillow or baseball bat on a couch or just you know putting on some intense crazy music and dancing it out of your body like moving your hips and your ass and pounding the ground and doing push-ups like like move it through yes because you have to get it out and then i also have an exercise called spring cleaning which is a communication exercise which is literally like when you clean your closet out of all the old dust balls and that tatty stuff that doesn't fit you anymore that you're saving, you know, it's just like cleaning your mental clock because if you don't do that maintenance, then you don't have a beautiful, pristine, delicious, lush, fertile soil for the desire to grow. I love that. So you're saying literally cleaning out your space. Being like, I'm cleaning out my closet, not just to be more organized, but because I know that there is a massive emotional impact when it when I'm able to clear my space. Yeah. Hey, you know, you can't get to be like 17 years old with having, without having your heart broken. Mm-hmm. Right? My, I'm dealing with that. You know, I have a daughter who's a senior and this really cute boy that she met at... Um, 
one of those weekend concert things they have in New York, Izu. And oh my gosh, and like they were just so close all weekend long. And then he stayed in New York. He's from the West Coast. He stayed in New York for a couple extra days and they saw each other. And they both were deep into this connection and saying they'd never felt this kind of connection with another person so quickly. And they had so much fun. Then she sees him on Instagram with another girl, not her, you know, and her mm. heart breaks. And she didn't, he didn't say anything to her, so she didn't know what that was. And so ding, you know, there, she has her clock to clean uh, before she can communicate with him. Cause she can't like call him up and say, Hey, what are you doing? You know, she has to like really take responsibility for her emotions move it through her body, all of her feelings of hurt, betrayal, disappointment. And then she could call him up and say, huh, I saw this really hot picture of you with this really great looking woman. Um, is that a new friend? Is it a new really close friend? Like what's the story there? I just want to know what's going on. Right. And so when you have that, when you're centered, it's so much easier to communicate. Yeah, exactly. so much easier. I think one of the misconceptions about tapping is people just think that you just, you know, you tap on these acupressure points to not feel anything, to kind of get rid of something, but it's actually a process of moving emotions through your body. So I, I feel like it's it's doing the same thing as being in a room and screaming and crying and, and, you know, throwing your arms around, but having a physical experience to be able to process your feelings. What's been so fun, Regina, about getting ready for this interview is that we're obviously good friends, uh, but I like I met you before I knew what you did, and then suddenly I found out that you had this just massive following, and everyone that I hear just raves about your courses, and it's only now that I've just really been diving in. I read, like I finished reading Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts, and um, your website is full of amazing blog posts. And, and even uh, last week I went to a yoga studio and someone just randomly, I heard, I overheard two people talking about you. That's so cool. And I was like, I didn't say anything, but I was like, oh yeah, girl, like it made me so excited. And you, one of- You had to go up and say to them. I know. I, it wasn't like the class is starting, but you're right. I should, okay. I, I should have. But, um, so one of the things that I love about this book, one of the things you talk about is like women's feeling your full range of feelings and how so many people, they don't want to let themselves cry because one, they feel shame. They think they shouldn't. There's something wrong when they cry. And two, they're scared that if they fully express how they feel, even just to themselves in a closed off room, they feel like they'll open a can of worms that they'll never be able to get up again. So do you find that to be a common struggle for people? And what's oh your gosh. advice? Oh my gosh. Well, just think about it. What are little girls made of sugar and spice and everything nice, right? That's supposedly what little girls are made of. So all of us have been taught like, Let's say if each of us has 88 keys of our piano emotionally, mm -hmm. we've been taught to play about like the middle four keys. We're just supposed to show up and always be like accommodating and nice and friendly. 
And that is nothing even close to what the full spectacular landscape of being a woman entails. Every facet of the feminine is gorgeous and necessary. Her rage is magnificent. Her devastation, her heartbreak, her passion, her compassion, her capacity to love, her capacity to feel. And we live in a culture that encourages us not to feel. I mean, how can you sit in a classroom for eight hours a day and actually feel all your feelings? You wouldn't be able to function. So we've been taught to diminish and dial down and conform and to move into the tracks that other people carve for us and not experience the full throttle power of what it means to be a woman. And when we stay in that formaldehyde, we begin to feel half dead and not ever having the opportunity to know or own the magnificence of the beautiful range of nuanced, exquisite feelings and emotions of what it means to be a fully expressed woman in this world. And we've kind of lost track of it because we live in a culture that's so patriarchal uh, that really encourages women to behave more like men than women. And we tend to deprioritize feel, feeling. And but, you know, I'm sure that some men that are listening can relate to this as well, because there is a huge stigma around men crying and, and being able to feel more emotions. Yep, you know it. Um, and it's, we want our guys to feel passionately and express themselves, but the culture doesn't encourage that. So that's why I have the School of Womanly Arts, just to really unleash women to learn every facet of who they are and to make friends with their rage and their magnificent poetry and everything in between. Because once we can embody and feel, then guys can catch on super quick. Right. Right. And it goes both ways, you know, even with feeling really excited and passionate about something. I mean, I remember being in school and I don't even remember what it was, but like something happened in class and I was like so excited and someone just made a remark, you know, they kind of, you feel like if you're too excited, people are going to think that you're, you're dumb or, or, you know what I mean? Like there's something wrong with you to be very passionate and to feel so much and just to feel so sensitive about things. And here you are saying it's a gift. Now, it's kind of hard when we're feeling angry to begin to go, okay, well, this is a full range of emotions. This is, this is great. Um, I want to talk about anger for a second. What made me really laugh in your book is you wrote, you know how I know women are angry. They get angry as soon as you suggest they might be angry, mm -hmm. which I thought was great. But let's, so, you know, obviously we know we need to be able to allow ourselves to feel more passionate and excited, but let's go to the other side of the spectrum and anger. Like when are we, channeling anger in a way that's really healthy 
And when are we doing the opposite of that? First of all, it's super, super important. Uh, if a woman feels kind of disconnected from her anger, like she shuts herself down, uh, which the majority of women do, what, what we do instead is whenever we feel rage, we cry. Mm -hmm. uh, we take that anger and we turn it against ourselves and we stab ourselves with it, which provokes tears. Uh, so in order for a woman to get right with her anger, she actually has to have a space and a place where she can express it in a really lively, healthy, crazy, creative, wonderful, outrageous way. And all of my live classes have uh, a huge component where women have an opportunity to really get right with their darkness because you want that bitch on your side. If you have that bitch on your side, no one is going to take advantage of your kid when they're trying to put your daughter or son in the wrong reading group, or they're not getting the attention they deserve and need in terms of whatever, you know, if they have dyslexia or some kind of special challenges, you're going to stand for that kid with the board of ed. You're going to stand for your kid if they're being bullied by another child. You are not going to let shit shake that should not shake if you've got that bitch on your side. And it becomes really important for a woman to be able to have a free space, a playground, to feel her range. So then she can begin to discern. And uh, Well, that's, that's the key word then. So it's by giving yourself a, a moment to just feel the rage without taking action with the outside world, then after you kind of flow through that emotion, you can go, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this energy and make a change. And you can distinguish what's, you know, appropriate and what will help you and what is destructive. You know, you can get so good at this. Like if you get really current with yourself, which my school has all these practices where women can get super current with their emotions. So you don't need a process. You just know you can feel it inside. Like this is my moment to strike and boom, you strike, and you make it happen. You do not lose, a, you don't have to like go home and process. Right. You can get so straight with yourself that you can feel the difference right inside, in the moment, in real time. There was, um, I, I remember there was a, uh, I was moving Maggie to, a, you know, ch changing her school. And the school that I wanted to move her in, uh, one of the guidance counselors did not want her in that school for because they weren't understanding who she was or what was going on truthfully. And, and, and I really understood that the person was um, making her suggestion out of ignorance. But because I was like so connected with my own inner bitch and my own rightness and my own rage, I was like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. I would like to make a request that we have a hearing. 
and then we get everybody from the head of the school to the principal to all the guidance counselors all the relevant teachers other parents and that we i have an opportunity to make the case for my daughter of why this is the appropriate choice for her and damn they set that meeting up and said on bump p.s maggie got into the school so you can <laughs> it's really important that a woman connects because this part of her is so powerful and women need to know the depth of their own rightness, their own judgment, their own internal truth so that they stand powerfully for what they believe in in the world and what they know to be right. Women have an incredible sense of what is right, not just for herself, but for her community at large. We are the global thinkers. We are, the, we understand how to um, make relevant choices that take not only our families, but our communities and the entire world higher. That's an innate um, gift of the feminine, is looking globally at situations and how to make it work for everyone. It's not as acute in the masculine. The feminine is particularly skilled. So it's super important that a woman plug into not only her truth, but the truth of the way she's feeling and her own sense of her own rightness so that she takes the actions relevant and necessary. It's, it's my conviction that women are the greatest untapped natural resource on this planet and the time to tap a woman is now. I love it. Amen. You know, I, I as you're talking, as I'm sure the listeners are doing the same thing, but I can't help but just reflect on my own life. And I feel that I have reached that point that I can make those decisions, that I know when something's right and when something's wrong, and I'm willing to speak up. And I'm not as fearful of things as I was before, because I'm not fearful of someone taking advantage of me because I won't give them that opportunity mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know, because I'm there. But the challenge, my challenge was I had to do a lot of work around having, you know, wanting everyone to like me and wanting to be that go good girl and wanting to be polite. And I'm sure that there's some women that are listening who hear that word inner bitch and they cringe. They hear that word and they think, no, that's what I'm trying to get away from. I'm scared that if I speak up for what I want, People are just going to go, oh, she's such a bitch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you do when someone comes from that place? What happens is the more that a woman lives a life based on her desires, meaning based on her truth, her connection with her own divine, her passions are leading her. She's not following someone else's trail of breadcrumbs, she's creating her own. The more she does that, the more her passion and her conviction, that voice becomes louder than her fear. Mm. And once that happens, she might be scared, but she's gonna go for it anyway because she just has learned to trust her desires above all other values and uh the it's not like the fear goes away 
It's just that her passion intensifies and gets stronger and stronger. It's why it's really, really important for a woman to plight her troth with her desires, to really pay attention to them, because um, that, you know, the world is hungry for new ideas, and the voice of woman is the new idea that this world has been waiting for. So it, it, it's really important for a woman to connect to her deepest longings because they're going to be relevant in evolving our entire world. Cheryl Richardson once said to me, the more that you begin to take care of yourself, the easier it is to listen to yourself and the, and the less you care about what other people think. Suddenly your opinion matters more than other people's opinions. Yeah. And, you know, it goes to connecting with your desire and really building yourself up, taking care of yourself. What does that look like? How do we need to begin to look at our lives and see how we can begin to, you know, add a bit of fuel to that fire and to uh, begin to take care of ourselves in a way, have rituals in a way where we feel like we're building that up? Oh, it's such a good question. And I love what Cheryl does. You know, I think she has a uh, a book called Radical Self-Care. It's so great. It, it just, that self-care thing, it sounds so flighty, but it's so important and it's so profound. It's amazing. So there is a sequence. There is a sequence. Uh, the, where a woman has to begin is she has to begin really simply with just kind of examining, huh, what are my desires? Like, what are my desires? Well, what do I really, really, really long for? Like just today, I was teaching a class. I have a, a virtual class called Virtual Pleasure Bootcamp. And there was a woman uh, calling from Kansas City. And she was saying that she's in her late 60s and she's got this desire to um, be a James Beard chef and have her own restaurant and go to cooking school. And all of her friends are saying how crazy that is. And, and she was feeling resentful about that and kind of stuck because she didn't know what to do first. And she was just frustrated. And so I said, well, what is it that started the whole cooking interest in the first place. And she said, well, I just love food so much, you know? And I said, oh, well, if you were gonna make us dinner tonight, what would it be? And she said, well, I would make um, sauteed calamari with lemon and caper and pasta with wild boar ragu. <laughs> and then a semi-frito, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awesome. And suddenly, as she began to speak about this intricate dishes and the preparations and the shopping and the flavors and the complexity, there was, she was even feeding her own soul with just the imagining of that pleasure, of the creation of that, which then began to reconnect her 
to her desire so that it didn't seem the thought of winning a James Beard chef's competition can seem overwhelming. But the thought of shopping for lemon caper sauce to saute some beautiful fresh squid, that's within the realm of something she could create today that was a tiny baby step towards the bigger dream. And the important ingredient in the whole background that I'm sure you could feel even hearing this story is the ingredient of pleasure. That is the fuel that creates a desire from an idea into a reality. Which a lot of times when it comes to people thinking about following a dream, we live in a culture that says push, sacrifice, mm -hmm. it's going to be a hard uphill climb. And here you're saying actually the beginning of being able to actually create something in your life is to bring in that pleasure, that pleasure is the fuel. It's so huge, Jess, because, you know, each woman is gifted with 8,000 nerve endings dedicated to pleasure, right? That's the, that's her, the clitoris. And men don't have that. They have about 4,000 nerve endings dedicated to pleasure, but it's not even dedicated to pleasure because they don't have an organ that is of pure purpose like we have. And so that our function, our, our form and our function are integrated. It means something. It means that if 8,000 of your thoughts every day are not about your pleasure, 8,000 of your dreams, 8,000 of your decisions, 8,000 of your desires, if you are not connecting to that part of you that is purely about pleasure, then you're not really living the design of what it means to be a woman. And most women, we're not living our design. We're living the design of a workhorse. Like we're taking care of our families, taking care of our kids, our husbands, our bosses. We're taking care of business. We're, you know, it's easy to say yes to obligation, to answer emails, to, but to pay attention to pleasure oh my goodness, you have to be a pleasure revolutionary. <laughs> you have to really run against the cultural trend to, to say, you know what? I'm going to stand for my pleasure today. I'm, I am not going to go back into that boring, terrible um, business meeting at my office until I stop and get my favorite cappuccino done the perfect way that I love and I'm going to flirt with the guy at the counter at the coffee counter and wink at him and that's going to change my chemistry, turn on all the nitric oxide, the, all the neurotransmitters including beta endorphin and prolactin and flood myself with pleasure as the antidote to the stress that would otherwise be my day in my life. And I'm going to be, bring this revived glowing person into that meeting or whatever I'm doing next. Like that is the most important 
decision that a woman could make today is to serve her joy. And none of us have been taught that that is a priority. It's super important and it's left out of the conversation around women. And when you think about even finding a relationship, you know, you often hear that people who tend to get what they want, it's because they're already happy. You know, you can tell the difference between someone who's single and unhappy and feeling desperate. There's a completely different way that they show up in the world than with someone who's just feeling so good and anything else would be a bonus. It's it's like, I mean, are we saying that this is almost like the law of attraction in a sense? Like you're feeling good and it's just like you're flooded with more pleasure because of that? Um, yeah, it's even... More, it's surrendering to the design of what it means to be a woman. It's choosing to stand for and embody every aspect of the feminine and to really uh, pay attention to um, your joy above all other values. And that actually redesigns everything in a woman's life everything. It redesigns her marriage, her relationships, her relationships with her kids, uh, her work life. I, I've had so many women come to me because their, you know, their sex life has dried up or their sense of their own sensuality has sort of vaporized and their relationships are suffering. And when a woman can really turn the focus from trying to please others to learning what it means to truly fuel herself and her joy. Oh my goodness. She becomes a magnet of attracting everything, opportunities, love, um, promotions, like whatever it is that's on her desire list is magnetized in her direction. I think one of the most tragic lies that I, that I see among women is this idea that if they could somehow change their bodies, if they could lose some weight or grow bigger boobs or something physically can change about them, then they'd be able to feel more feminine and be able to attract more. And so there they are kind of jailing themselves up from pleasure, thinking that that can't come until their body changes. Do you, do you find that to be common? And, you know, what are your thoughts around that? I have a, I have a whole chapter in my book, uh, the Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts, which is called um, The Womanly Art of Owning Your Beauty. Because, you know, I've been, I've had the School of Womanly Arts now for um, 17 years. And so I've had thousands and thousands of women come through my door. And the thing that I've noticed is th there's no such thing as a beautiful woman unless she thinks so. Oh, can you say it again? Yeah, there's no such thing as a beautiful woman unless she thinks so. Like I get actresses and models and like women that you would think would have no problem with their beauty because they just are. But because beauty is an inside job, if they don't think so, then they're not beautiful. 
if they haven't made the decision, you know, if they're living in judgment of themselves, then they're not beautiful. And what I noticed was women that are not traditionally beautiful, maybe they're 40 or 80 pounds overweight, but they just think they are so adorable. Or maybe they have a very, un, you know, not the current style of facial structure. They're strongly ethnic looking or they're older than 30 or they're pushing 80. If <laughs> so many students of all ages, if she thinks she is hot and gorgeous and fabulous and so delicious, then she is. So it's a decision. Like all of us, it's free rent in our heads, right? We can put any thought we want in there. We can put the thought in there like, I look like shit. We can put the thought in there, I am the hottest living, breathing, you know, piece of womanhood in New York City. Like that could be my thought. And that's going to change the way I walk, the way I interact. And in this culture, we've been just pummeled with uh, the media telling us that, you know, we're not the right weight or we're too old or too funny looking. Or, I mean, look at Donald Trump and how he trashes and insults other female candidates or the women that are interviewing him. And uh, it's, it's not different from what the media does. So a woman has an uphill climb if she wants to make the decision that she's gorgeous because it's, you know, driving in the face of what the culture teaches her. But you know what? It's really, really important to do that. And it's an easier decision to make in sisterhood, you know, when you have a bunch of girlfriends or the students of my courses I call sister goddesses. Sister, because every woman on this planet is sister to one another, and goddess because each of us has at least a drop of the divine, if not a whole hell of a lot more. And so when uh, a woman chooses to embody her beauty and her magnificence and her divinity, she actually infects other women mm -hmm. with the delicious decision to love her, herself. Yeah, oh my gosh, Jess, this is years ago when I was on book tour, I, sh I went to Miami and on one stop and there's this red haired girl who's 15 or something and she came up to me and she's like, Mama Gina, your book is the best book I ever read. I'm like, girl, you're only 15. What do you <laughs> book like it says pussy in my book and and she says well I my mom said it was okay and I go to high school and in high school all the girls hate themselves and your book was the first book that I ever heard the sound of a woman who loved herself and it really helped me like helped me to make that decision and I made all my girlfriends read the book and now we all love ourselves and I was so touched by that because 
we don't realize the um, disadvantage that this culture does when it teaches a little girl to disapprove of the way she looks, you know, by the time she's five or six years old. Yeah. Wow. Did you cry? Because <laughs> that story is making me teary-eyed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. my gosh. I still do well up. I can see her face, like her freckles and her red hair. And her mom was standing right behind her with red hair. Oh, my gosh. That's oh, my amazing. gosh. And then, of course, remembering how I felt about myself in high school, well beyond high school. It was, uh, it's not easy to be a young woman, a girl in a world that doesn't understand or love or embrace the feminine. So we have to embrace the feminine and then we can teach the world how to do it. Well, you know, that's, that's it. One of the things I would think to myself is if I am mean to myself, if I am judging and criticizing my body, then I am telling my future daughter, I am telling my little niece Olivia that that's appropriate and okay for them to do. And I don't want to do that anymore. My mother did it. My grandmother did it. My great-great-grandmother probably did it. And I'm breaking the chain. Mm. And so when you make these decisions to love and to honor yourself, you do it for yourself, but you also do it for other women and for, for future generations. So true. And it's time. You know, we can make this change in our lifetimes. This does not have to take thousands and thousands of years. Like, we can do this. It's not easy. That's why I call it the pleasure revolution, because it requires effort. Having a miserable life or a mediocre life, that is easy in this culture. But having an extraordinary life and a delicious life and a life where you feel beautiful, that requires investment. You have to put some skin in that game. Mm -hmm. So that's the importance of having rituals. I, and I love that you're saying this because I also feel like, you know, with people that I work with, with tapping, I always say, this isn't about getting to a destination. If you're judging your whole life by what you achieve, it, it never ends. There's always something else that we want. Instead of saying, my life is about the daily practice of taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. and the rituals and, and tapping into my pleasure. So what are some very practical things, some little things that we can begin to do, we can all commit to starting to do it this week, to begin to bring in that pleasure, to begin to change that relationship that we have with ourselves? Well, there's a few things. I think if every single day, every man or woman that listens to your recordings, could do one tiny thing to create pleasure both for themselves and for a woman in their lives. Oh, that would be so incredible. But what would you say to someone who is hearing this and they're thinking, but I don't even know what that means. How do I create pleasure? Mm. It could be a uh, tiny thing like choosing a bath instead of a shower and putting a little Epsom salt or a few drops of a fragrant oil. It could be um, purchasing a single flower to put 
in a bud vase on your desk or by your bedside table as a little reminder of how beautiful you are. It could be choosing your favorite tea and having it in your very favorite mug and taking the time to pick up if half and half is your favorite or if you like almond milk or soy milk, like making sure you have exactly the right ingredients to make that tea perfectly delicious. It could be that it's a, you don't have time for makeup, but you put a little lip gloss before you jump in the subway or in your car. Maybe you decide instead of working at your desk throughout the day, you'll sit outside for a few minutes at your lunch break or head to the bookstore and page through some inspiring books and use your half hour that way. It's being deliberate rather than just coasting. It's choosing to take a little gorilla acts of pleasure warfare all day long or once a day where you're taking yours. You know, at the end of life, you're never going to remember how many days you worked late or how many sinks full of dishes you did or how many floors you swept. But you will remember the time you took time to have that glass of wine and watch the sunset with your husband. Just took 15 minutes, but oh my goodness, did it change your chemistry and change your whole perception. It could be that you snuggled in with your kid tonight and you read just one more bedtime story. Or you decided to take a rose petal bath. Or just take a crazy dance break. You know, it's choosing you. Choosing you is the, just the radical decision. Uh, for for women to make right now of little tiny acts that will change your chemistry and allow you to almost reconsecrate the altar that is woman. And this is what I have to add because sometimes we hear these tips. So you've given us all of these amazing examples. And so we think about them and when the time comes, we think, oh, well, it's such a tiny thing. Does it really matter? It's so easy. It must not make that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's the secret. The secret is it does make that much of a difference. It does really matter. And it doesn't have to be this monumental change in your life. It's taking those moments and that makes the biggest difference. I think it's important to remind ourselves of that because, you know, we hear these great tips on these podcasts and then we get on with our life and we brush them off. But it's really important for us to take that time and to really have those moments of pleasure. It's way more powerful than, than we've realized and than that we've ever been taught. What did you do so far today? Did you for, take for, for pleasure? Like, yeah. Yeah, I did. So I cooked a great breakfast for for Lucas and I. So well, what, 
What'd you make? I did um, I did an omelet and I put his favorite sausages with onions and tomatoes and mushrooms. And then mm -hmm. I had a little side of arugula with a bit of um, avocado. Mm. And I set the table and we ate together and we were able to chat. And one of the things for us is that he has to go to work. I mean, he leaves at about 7.15 in the morning. So it's a bit, it's, we have very early mornings and we could sleep in and just kind of get up and rush and get out so we wouldn't have to wake up so early. But we make the decision to wake up um, very early so that we can take our time and experience that a pleasurable morning. That's gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I love that. And you know, I want to invite those who are listening to come on my, um, go on my Facebook page where I posted about this and let us know what are the little things that you are doing to create more pleasure in your life. And even write down some ideas for the week so that you don't, you know, draw a blank. So you have some ideas of, of what you can do. Regina, where can people learn more about your work? I mean, your courses are so incredible. So where can they hear more about the courses? My website is www.mamaginas.com, which is spelled M-A-M-A-G-E-N-A-S.com. Uh, or they can even just call my office and talk to one of my enrollers, which is 212-787-2411. Uh, here in New York City. And uh, the website is super fun. And, oh, you know what we do? Every day we send out a little daily fluff, which they can people can sign up for, which is just like a little reminder about your pleasure every single day. Love it. Well, Regina, I love you. And it was so fun to do this. Thank you very much. It was really great, Jessica. Thank you so much for the privilege. And I'm so proud of you. And it was so much fun to spend an hour with you and just touch base and have a glimpse into your beautiful life. Thank you. Love you, sister goddess. <laughs> <laughs>